Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Yeah, I got to do this first before we get going. Um, So all week long, I've had this like um, uh, feeling of pressure, like he's talking about, um, not necessarily for myself, but um, well, not for myself at all. Like I hadn't really thought about it, Um, but it felt like this. I, I feel like God was speaking specifically to like a financial burden and I know that it's Christmas time. And so it's a very much of, um, of a financial burden for people, but I just all week long just kept feeling this like pressure and this burden. And it wasn't, it wasn't for us. It wasn't for the coffee shop. It wasn't for the church. It wasn't for us. It was for somebody. And so every day I would say, who was it for Lord? And he never, he never revealed who it was for. Um, but I also just keep hearing this resounding, just like what Jason's talking about. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. This is the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom and all will be added. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom that we belong to. What are you in need of? Seek first the kingdom. And these aren't words that we just make up. It's scripture, guys. It says Matthew 6, 33 says, you guys all know it, but seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness and all these things will be added. And then later in seven, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. He's giving us this example of what are you in need of? I know that your felt needs are, are important. I know that things are heavy right now. I know that you need what you need, whatever we need, whatever we're in need of. Take your minds off of what's needed. Take your minds off of the burden, the pressure, and seek first the kingdom. And all will be added. This is the kingdom of heaven. Everybody take a big, deep breath with me. (sighs) All will be added. Okay. Does everybody else feel good? You good? Everybody good? Good. You what? No, we're not going into Sozo. That's later. Like, scheduled not today. Guys, settle down. My Sozo girls always want to be like, when when is it time? Do we now? Group Sozo? No. Settle down. (laughs) What'd you say? One, two, three. We get nothing done around here. Okay. Okay. All right. So last week we talked about, we, we taught on Act 6, and we got through half of 6. What were we talking about? Sarah, you're my girl. Well, oh, yeah, you're right. It was because it was like two weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 84 years. What, Matt? What were you going to say? 
Matt was listening. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's all coming back to you now. Someone sing it. It's all coming back. I, I knew Jill wouldn't let me down. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> Acts, Acts 6, we got through the first half and we were talking about um, the, the Hellenist. We're talking about how the Hebrew Jews, widows had more and how um, what the church did to organize that and to set up a new procedure with the deacons. And um, we then met Stephen, who is our hero of the day. And I'm very excited to talk about Stephen and um, teach about him today. Excited to hear your revelation. I'm excited to hear your revelation. Uh, you go. Okay. I'll talk Thought about you'd never next week. Wait, no. I really think we're going to speak on Stephen two Sundays in a row. Okay. And I'd said that this morning. Okay. So. so somebody tell me, who is Stephen? Someone give me a basis of his life. Like, what do you know? He loves Jesus. He's like one of us. What else? He's what? He's bold. Anybody else in here bold? Thank you, Dakota. I was waiting for that. What else? I heard something else. Yes, he was stoned. Yep. <laughs> Can you try to be holy today? <laughs> what? Okay, just keep digging. <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. This is why they talk about us. Okay. Okay. No, t shirts. Exactly. We're in good company. Yes. <laughs> and it's white. I don't get it. The white robe. Colts. Okay. Can we just not record any of that? Thank you. Okay. Let's get back okay. on track. How do we, how does that happen? Yeah. Thanks for taking my whole message. No, I'm just joking. Okay, so let's get started. We're going to uh, finish up the rest of Act 6 and then go into 7. You, will you read Act 6, 8 for me? And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the, how do you say that, Cyrenians and Alexandrians and the Kilikia. That's yeah. what I, I, when I read Kilikia. it, I, I had to like Cilicia, look in the blue letter. I, I know, but when you look in blue letter, it's Kilikia, mm -hmm. but that still don't speak their language, but. Yeah, and they disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which he was speaking from. Okay, thank you. All right. So the reason I looked up the word kilikia, or does anybody know how it's actually said? Correct me. Somebody please correct me. No. Okay, so we're going to go with kilikia. It does look more like it should be like Sicily, kind of like yeah. Sicilia. But um, when I looked it up, yeah, yeah. And then you guys go repeating it, and they're like, who taught you that? <laughs> That's my pastor. <laughs> anyway, um, Kilikia. So 
So this is a province of Tarsus. Does anybody know somebody that may have been from Tarsus? Well, yeah, but this is like the province that was the, uh, the capital. Yes. Yes, Saul. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, okay. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> all right, so we're, all, we're talking about him. We also know that from, and I believe it was Acts 5, we know that uh, Gamaliel was um, the rabbi of this man, Saul of Kilikia, which was a province of Tarsus. So we're starting to see this is coming on the scene. Um, Luke is describing, he's specifically doing something here. He's setting something up. You have to understand everything that we're doing is setting something up. And we'll see in the coming weeks, what is he doing? Like, why is he, why is he giving us details about this man? So often we're seeing like all these things are pointing to this man named Saul. Um, okay, so then in 10 we said, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit of what he was speaking. This was Stephen, guys. This wasn't an apostle. This wasn't a man that has um, been, he's not, like, that wasn't his job. That's not what he was set into. That wasn't his place of leadership, was to be set into leadership to, to teach the word, to spread the gospel. He was a what? He was a, yeah, he was a believer. He was a deacon, which meant servant. He was a servant. He did the administration. He helped the widows. He divided the money, whatever that he did. But it also said that he walked in signs and wonders, and which meant that he didn't, he probably didn't have the background of these religious leaders, but he loved the Lord. He wasn't doing it because he was being seen. He wasn't doing it to even um, because it was his leadership role. Like he loved the Lord and he was, he was pressing in and studying and, and probably grew up a little bit. He was, he was a Hellenist. And so he didn't necessarily grow up in this culture. We don't know. Cause it doesn't say a whole lot about Stephen before or after we get two chapters of Stephen and that's about it. But it said that he, they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit, which he was speaking. They were mad at him because of the wisdom that he had. It stopped him in their tracks. And then they secretly instigated men and said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So they're, they're, they're finding these, almost fell off my chair, it's fine. I'm just really excited. Um, they're finding, where was I? Yeah, thank you, 11. They're like stirring the pot here, okay? They're, they, we've, we've already seen them try to do this with the disciples, and it didn't work. And so now they're kind of, they're looking at somebody that maybe they can get people to turn against. Maybe the people that have been standing up for him, they're, they're trying to instigate. They're trying to stir the pot. Justin, you know a little bit about stirring the pot? Yeah. <laughs> What's so crazy? What's so crazy is that like this this shouldn't even be um this is they're making it it's not a fair fight. Like they're instigating people around him. They're trying to stir stuff up to get people mad at him and he's not even done anything. Yeah. Mhm. Mm Okay. Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. That's, a, that's the thing. Not much has changed. Yeah. You know? 
You know, and we're seeing that all throughout this story. Like, I'm so frustrated because we're seeing so much of what Stephen is walking through. It's not changed. You're standing up. <laughs> what? What's happening? You're standing up. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that, guys. That's what she's saying. Don't do that. Okay. We'll write. The sermon is a gift. Ask for it. Okay, uh, 12 says, and they stirred up the people. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture. Are you guys okay with reading scripture? Oh, praise the Lord. Good. <laughs> and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. Okay, they got him. Here they are. They got him. They brought him before the council, this religious, um, the re- le- religious leaders of the day. And 13 says, and they set up false witnesses, liars, who said, I didn't say liars, I did. This man never ceases to speak words against the holy place in the law. For we have heard him say that this is Jesus of Nazareth. will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. 15 says, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was the face of an angel. They accused him of blasphemy against Moses and the temple. And his face glowed like an angel, it said. They're coming in and they're falsely accusing him. They're yeah. telling him what he's doing. And all he does is, is, is stand there and stare. He's glowing from knowing. Don't knowing. even anybody say put that on a t-shirt. It's not happening. No, but I, I've preached on that before. He's glowing from knowing who he is as a son. His right standing. Just like the verse that Tiffany was reading earlier. He knew who he was how he was righteous before the Lord, yeah. no matter the cost. You know, it's so crazy to me. I wonder if this was the moment that Stephen realized, yeah, I'm not going to make it out of here. But th- was this the moment that it was like this, like, check that was like, yep. I don't even feel like that was even a thought, though, because he was just so enamored with the Lord and what was taking place. He was, he was ready to die for the heart of his king. He was so focused on his king that what was taking place didn't matter. It was it was all gain, no matter what the cost. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You have to say it loud. Mm-hmm. I love the Bible. She's under it. She's like, I'm going back to this. <laughs> it's so good. Wouldn't you guys just, 
Wouldn't it have been amazing to be there? Hmm. Just to watch. Hmm. Anyway, okay. <sighs> what we're seeing, the, we're seeing how this is, at this point we're seeing that this is going to be the end of Stephen most likely. And we're seeing the desire and the idolship. Is that a word? Idolship? Idolship? Yeah. Idleness? Idol worshiping. Uh, what? Admiration. Uh, admiration. Ha of the, the, the way that the religious leaders are idling the temple and the Moses. He's ex yeah, that's where I was going. He's, he's exposing this at this moment. And so what happens next in 7-1, and the priest said, are these things so? He's asking him, come on, Stephen, are these things so? Did you say that? This is the beginning of how he's starting to be type and shadow of Jesus. Remember whenever Jesus was on trial, and they're like, did you? Did you say that? Was that you? So they asked Stephen, are these things so? And what happens next is Stephen isn't trying to defend himself. He's like, hold up, hold up, everybody settle down. Put your stones down, everybody, get, let me talk. He doesn't say that. He starts to go on a journey with them, this panoramic view of t Old Testament history, which they would have known, guys. Like, this wasn't like, he didn't tell them anything he, they didn't know. He's actually just trying to, he's, I don't believe that he was trying to make them mad. He was trying to bring some revelation. Um, but how many of you guys know that it's up to us? It's up to every one of us to let that revelation sink in. We have to let the Lord in. They had to let the Lord in, but they continued to have this veil over their eyes. And so he starts on this journey of Old Testament history. And I'm not going to go into all of the history, but I want to encourage you guys that if you don't know a lot of these things that I'm talking about, if a lot of this is new to you, I want to encourage you guys to go and read Genesis through, oh, like Joshua. Okay? It's a lot. It's a lot of scripture but read it. Start now. You'll be fine. Um, but this is going to go, he's going into a lot of um, the heritage before them. And so he starts talking about Abraham, which is what kind of the beginning of what they would have known in this sense of what he's talking about. And he starts to talk about Abraham and he's describing how Abraham was this man who dwelt with God. He's going into detail about the intimacy that Abraham had with God. God before the Holy Spirit, before the temple, before the law, before there was a scripture, before there was the scrolls, before anything, the desire that God had to be with Abraham. Did you guys know I woke up the other morning and I was like, I just remembered that scripture says that Abraham ate with God. He ate a meal. And I remember talking about this before, but don't you guys wonder what he ate? Like, what did, what, what did God eat with Abraham? What did he choose? I feel like it would have been like mac and cheese and biscuit, and like brisket, but you know, it's probably not what it was. It's probably the bread of life. Chips and salsa, chips and queso, I don't know, but, but definitely. <laughs> right. But come on, I mean, we know what he probably ate, but still, like, he ate with God. Well, I mean, we could keep going. That's probably where that came from. What's your favorite color, God? <sighs> to know him intimately like that, the creator 
to ask him questions. I mean, you know that Abraham was like, okay, so we're going to talk. <laughs> I got some questions, and, then Abraham, and God's probably like, actually, let me talk. And, you know, I'm sure that went really well. But he wasn't making an idol. Like, he's showing that this, we can't make idol out of man-made things. Like, he, there, we're, we're speaking of this man, this man that you guys are idolizing, but Abraham pointed to, to God. And he's almost making this rebuke to the, to the religious men, right? He's, he's kind of rebuking them all throughout this, this, um, this account, this, this Old Testament history. And they're starting to see it. They're picking up on it. And then he started to speak of Isaac and his son Jacob. And he spoke of the 12 tribes of Israel, including Joseph, which Roberta's talked about this morning. And he talked about the type and shadow of Joseph compared to Jesus, how Joseph was denied by his family and then was set on high. He was governor by the, by the king. And then he went into details about um, just the, spir- the spiritual presence of God and how he was with uh, Joseph and what that looked like in his life and how God had set him up from the beginning of time and he had no idea. Then he started to speak on Moses, which is the one that they had accused him of speaking against. Anyone want to read 20 for me, babe? At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. Keep going. No, you're good. So I have a lot I want to talk about Moses, and you guys touched on some of it already. But just how from the beginning of time that Moses' life was set apart from God, much like everyone here, have this understanding that everybody has this calling and this purpose, this purpose set apart for, for God, but will you walk in it? Will you choose which way is harder? And with Moses, did you know that his name actually means to draw out of water? which we know that the, um, the princess, or she named him that. But listen, of the history behind this, God knew from the beginning of time that it would be Moses that drew out the Israelites, right? Like the, all that he would do in his life, that he would draw people out of this bondage. He would draw them out of that Egypt. And he was pleasing to God without the temple or customs. Still, we're not seeing the temple or the customs or the traditions Moses came down from his royal throne out of care and concern for his people. He was rejected when offered deliverance like Jesus. And God appeared to Moses in the wilderness before there was ever a temple. I said that. Just as Israel worshipped the calf in the wilderness, so now they were worshipping the works of their own hands. And he's drawing them out of that. Moses promised that there would come after him another prophet. And warned that Israel should take special care to listen to the coming prophet. But just like Israel rejected Moses, they were rejecting Jesus, who was the prophet Moses spoke of. So he's telling them throughout this history, throughout this time, he's, he's making them mad, he's rebuking them, and he's saying, listen to what you guys have done. You've rejected the Messiah, the one that this one that you are talking about, that, saying that I'm blaspheming, you have rejected him and what he has already told you would happen. You're rejecting Moses and what's greater than him. God, his glory, and his work was not confined to a temple or this man, Moses. 
And then we see that God, he starts to talk about how, man, this part got me. He starts to talk about how God then gave Moses this template for the tabernacle. Now, remember the tabernacle was the place that held the what? The Ark of the Covenant, right. And it was this holy kind of like tent, and it, it, would, it would move, like they would move it as they went. And God gave the exact design and template of how to build this. But what he says, and so this is, and then we see from there the temple was built because David asked to build the Lord a house. We know that. And then Solomon got to be the one that built it. And so he's giving this history, explaining this. And in Acts 7, 4, 8, he says, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hand, hands, as the prophet says. So we want to read 7, 49. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? And Stephen's point here was unmistakable. He's accusing them. He's saying, you worship a temple, a man of the past, but you crucified the Messiah. And he's repeatedly reminding them and accusing them of their own history, Guys, like what comes next is, I mean, like he's, he, almost, he asked for it. Like he knew what he was doing. I think that like he had made this decision like I'm preaching the truth. I'm speaking the truth. I don't care what happens next. And just like the Israelites, these religious men honored customs and traditions more than God himself. And he's revealing that. He's revealing the religion inside of them. They don't like it. The ultimate picture that I've seen with this is he's trying desperately. He's, he's, his last things that he said, it's not, you know, like, let my mom know I love her. You know, was he, mar or was he married? Did he have kids? We don't know. But what he's trying to get through to their hearts is God is not trying to fill a building. He's trying to fill our hearts. And that is like the whole point of this message that he's giving out, that he's, he's calling them out, he's rebuking them, and he's trying to give this message. He's trying to convict even one of their hearts of what he's trying to say here. And how often that we, like how, again, how this is so personal, like how much we want to be transactional with God. And we, I mean, I get it, guys, like we have a house for him, like we've built a house for him. But with that understanding, that revelation of this is just a building. And when we get our building next door, it's just a building. It's just a building. It's us. It's our hearts that he wants to fill. It's, his heart, it's our hearts that he has filled. And we I, are his habitation. Thank you, William Hinn. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Then it gets me on this whole religious thing, and I don't. I should probably not go there because then I get mad. But start thinking about um, this is something that we all know. We talk about. I'm not going to tell you something you guys don't know. But how frustrating that we're doing the same thing. Like how many of us, and I've been guilty of this, have um, our Bibles on our nightstand, but we haven't picked it up for months, maybe even years. How many people have Bibles that they like? They've never opened. And you can tell because it doesn't look used, right? How many people 
I, listen, before I met the Holy Spirit and, and was filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't even know the difference between the New and the Old Testament. Like, you guys have heard me say that. I, I had no idea. I knew that Jesus was some, somewhere in there, but there was no relationship. There was no intimacy. There was no sense of what God was doing with Scripture. Did you guys know that the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, is the, the most highly, uh, like, it's the most downloaded app of all apps Yet, it's one of the, the least used. The same way with the Bible. It's one of the most bought books. Yes. Yeah. But the least read. Yeah. That's so frustrating. Uh, can we even talk about, like, uh, how, <laughs> how the law wasn't even for the Gentiles? How the law wasn't even necessarily for us. That we're like convicting and condemning and, and coming against people. We have the Ten Commandments in our churches. I'm not against the Ten Commandments. Listen. Fulfill, like Walk in them because you love him. Because we love him, we walk in this. But the Ten Commandments weren't even for us. But we, we are convicting people of, of all of the laws that they're breaking and all the Ten Commandments. And we have them posted and people come in our church, and we list them off. And are you all of these? If not, you walk out the door. I don't know. Like, I don't know in our churches today if Jesus walked in, and people have said this a hundred times, if he walked in, would he be welcome? Would we let him sit with us? Or would we, would we have a list of things that he's doing wrong? I don't know. What do we, yeah. Do we know him, do we gnosko God enough to know that he walked in the door? Ugh. Jesus, come in our churches, God. You are welcome in our midst. You're welcome in our home. You're welcome in our lives, God. Religion can't be a hat that we wear. Religion shouldn't be a bad name. It shouldn't be a bad word, guys. It shouldn't be. Religion is, should be good. It's a good thing. But it cannot be this hat that we wear. It cannot be this book that we carry around. Oh, God, we can't be posting graphics on Facebook about how good he is and Bible verses of the day but never opening the book. 
but this comes through walking with him. If we never walk with him, if we never eat with him, if we never get to know him intimately, if we never take the time, then we're going to look like the Pharisees did. And then what happens is just like, in he, just like here, we get jealous of the ones that are walking. We get jealous of the ones that their faces are shining. And we can't handle it because, well, I have a Bible on my coffee table. Why doesn't my face shine? And listen, I get it, but have you ever been jealous of someone that could prophesy? Have you ever been jealous of somebody that, that was an evangelist or someone that could preach? Like, have you been jealous in the sense of, like, how come they can do it and I can't? And then it turns into this, well, I'm never going to be good enough. God is never going to use me. All right, what are you doing? What are you doing? How are you stepping out? Why are we jealous of brothers and sisters that are walking in their calling when you could be doing it too? I don't even know where that came from. Anyway. All right. Ready? You guys ready? Acts 7, 51. Through 53. You stiff-necked people. Look. <laughs> Lisa's giggle. <laughs> Uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did you did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. I feel like this is Stephen's mic drop. Like this is the last bit he's getting in, right? He's like... One more thing, and he's like, you've done this. Everything that, like, all the history that I just told you about is what you've done to your Messiah, and now it's what you're doing to me. He knew this speech would end his life. He knew it was it, and he was going one more time. And did you know, does, the stiff-necked people, does that ring a bell? Has anybody heard that before in Scripture? Yes, who's saying it? What are they, what's he saying it to? Is he talk, he's talking to, yep, he's talking to the Israelites. <laughs> I mean, like, we're trying to make someone mad. He literally called them stiff-necked people, which is what God said to the Israelites. Some people never learn. And you know they all do that. Yeah, they did, which is why he used it. And I found this quote from Spurgeon that says, he takes the sharp knife of the word and rips up the sins of the people laying open the inward parts of their hearts and the secrets of their soul. He could not have delivered that searching address with greater fearlessness had he been assured that he would thank him for the operation. The fact that his death was certain had no other effect upon him than to make him yet more zealous. The idea that Stephen was going to die pushed him further, made him even more in love with him. In 754, he says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. What's another version say? Nashed. Nashed. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. They gnashed their teeth at him. How crazy is it that they appeared so religious on the outside, guys? They had the tassels and the robes and, and I wonder if they were white. They had everything that they were supposed to be doing. They knew their scriptures. They could, they could qu- quote Isaiah to you. They knew everything in and out. They knew the temple, and they 
protected the temple. They know Moses and, and, and his, his religion uh, along with everything. They, um, they knew the history of Moses. But yet this is the way that they responded to somebody. They gnashed their teeth. Now understand that like when, when I think of gnashing my teeth, I think of like you're mad. But this was something that they, it was an act that they did to know that they were very, very mad. Like this was like, just so you know, I am very mad. And it was something that they did together in a unison of, we're really mad. Oh, they're really mad. And he says in 755, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Guys, this is huge. It doesn't talk about God standing. He's sitting, right? When he went to go. The only place it does say, mentions anything about him standing. When he went, when Jesus went to heaven, he sat. He was like, all right, it's time to sit with my father. And he sat, but it says, so, and it, don't believe me. It says in Matthew 26, 64, from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of of power and coming to the clouds on the clouds of heaven but he was so moved by Stephen so moved by what this man was doing that he stood up standing ovation (laughs) I can't I don't know about you guys but that does something to me like I just read this over and over and over like he stood up in heaven he was seated He's like, all right, we're ready. He was so moved by Stephen that he stood to welcome him into heaven. Stephen was found guilty and punished on earth, yet he was found righteous and rewarded in heaven. Stephen has been confessing Christ before men, and now he sees Christ confessing him, his servant, before God. In Acts 7.57 says, they cried out with a loud voice and stomped their they, they like covered their ears and they rushed together at him and they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That word rush there is the same word that you see whenever the herd of swine rushed into the water. That's the same word. So you're, you're seeing here how they're just describing um, that this wasn't heaven at all. Like, this wasn't God's idea at all. This was hell being, inter- like, this was introducing hell into what they were speaking. What's also crazy is if you think about all that Jesus had to go through in the trial and the, the uh, seeing um, Herod and Kaya, um, Pilate, like, all the, the trial and all of the steps that they had to go through to convict him because it was actually illegal for religious men to kill somebody like this wasn't supposed to be a thing and how they they just didn't care they rushed at him and I'll, and I'll go into more of that in, in detail but how they were breaking Roman law and they could care less they were breaking Roman law they took him outside of the city limits so that they probably wouldn't be seen but then how the Roman soldiers had to know what was going on come on guys like they freaked out even even if a little bit of commotion was going on and how the Roman soldiers kind of like just turn Turned, the, turned away from it, wasn't paying any attention. And then 59, he says, and they were stoning Stephen. As they were stoning him, he called out and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And 60, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Does that sound like anybody else 
What does it sound like? Hmm. Type and shadow again of Jesus. I think we have to also understand that this isn't necessarily, how do you say that word, uh, pass, pass, pass uh, or you don't fight. Like, he's not, he's not being passive. He's fighting in a righteous way. He's, he's fighting as a light bearer. He's fighting evil with a greater good. Get it, guys. Say it loud. Yeah, just put her in the microphone. I just have a question. Okay. <laughs> okay, so at the very end, where they say they throw the robes down at Saul's feet. This doesn't click for me because all of the higher ups, they had a special garment they wore that was like basically as white as they could get it with a special blue um, string in it, and it was a blue tassel. So for them to actually throw this garment on the floor or on the ground at someone's feet, I cannot find a reasonable explanation for what that signifies. And obviously it was important enough that it was noted. So I didn't know if anybody else had an idea of what that, because it obviously means something in the religious realm, but Maybe it's not a big deal, but it's just something that's been bothering me for a couple of weeks. You know, I don't know without looking into it, but I think it signifies something for, for Saul. Like, I feel like it's, um, it could potentially be like, um, yeah, or like maybe the start of his ministry in um, the persecution against Christians. I don't know. Like, I'll look into it. Does anybody know? We'll get you just a minute. Go ahead, Sarah. You're good. Well, this one isn't sweaty, so that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I see, like, like, just Jesus was on the cross, and they were, like, gambling for his clothes, mm-hmm. and they divided them up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it as, like, a, I don't know. I'm prob- I, I might be wrong. I just, I just think it's, it's more of a, this is not the first time it's happened. Mm-hmm. Guess who gets to study that out? <laughs> yep. Um, we'll be back I in a couple weeks and you can let us know. I had something on that, or I could see it as like a mantle passing. Mm, yeah. Um, like with Elijah and Elisha when when he like gave him his robe or whatever. Um, it's a similar situation. Right. Saul didn't actually kill Stephen, but he approved of it. Yes. And <laughs> maybe that was just a part of his approving of it. Yeah. Is, hey, we went and did this. Here it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That was so good, though. It was so good. I, I agree. Our kids are falling apart. So, act 
22:20 says, and when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Hmm. All right. So I don't. I'm new, but hi, I thought. <laughs> um, but so I was actually thinking something similar because the the phrase that kept coming to my head is casting off restraint, and like that that is a boundary for them. That 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 cloak is a boundary that I perform and I I yes. operate mm -hmm. in a certain manner. But now I'm going to cast that restraint off for a minute, and I'm going to live in the fullness of my flesh, and then I'm going to put that back on. Right. They had false witnesses. Right. Yeah. That was all of this the was law. a lie. Right. That was against Moses was bearing false witness. Hmm. You know, there was this time when Jason and I first found the Lord and we fell in love with him and ran like and I don't regret it, but we like full fledged ran like got rid of every like we we didn't care about anything else like anything worldly. Most of our friends were, were like, we love Jesus now. And they're like, hopefully this doesn't last long. Like no more music, like no more anything that we used to listen to it to Pink Floyd, the doors, Nirvana out the door. Right. Like we, it was done. Like we didn't care anymore. We were so in love with Jesus that that was our passion. Like, and we were just like everybody we seen, we were like, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about Jesus? Like we were just like puking Jesus everywhere. It was fun. So much fun. Then life got a little bit hard, and I remember just thinking, like, um, and we gave up everything. We stopped smoking, we weren't really, like, we didn't drink anymore, and we weren't partying, and it wasn't our life anymore, which meant we were lonely now because we didn't have anybody. We went to church all the time, and I remember telling Tim and Melissa, like, can we have a Wednesday night? Can we have a worship night? What can I do? Can I serve coffee? Like, I was just so hungry, and there was, like, five people in our church, but I was so hungry for serving and doing something, and Melissa's like, settle down, Tiffany. Um, but I remember having this moment of, like, we got invited to go to this, this bar because our friends were playing music there. And I was so hungry for God. 
but I was so desperate for um, maybe what I once knew or um, maybe community. I don't know. I don't know what I was seeking. And we, we said yes, and we went to the bar. And I remember, like, it was a bar. Everybody was smoking. Like, you know, people act at bars, you know, like they were prom promiscuous and, yeah. And um, I remember. Le was Leslie there? Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah. And, our, and like, we ordered a drink because we're at a bar. It was okay. Like, Jesus, you know, made wine at the wedding. Like, we can drink. It's fine. It's We're still holy. Like, we had a, had a drink. And um, one drink turned into more and more. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to drink, I need a cigarette. Like, who's got a cigarette? And so someone gave me a cigarette. And I'm smoking. <laughs> but I didn't want Jason to see. Yeah, because I didn't know. Cause you I, was, I was too busy ministering to Leslie. Okay. I was just drinking Jason water. never lost his holiness. I did. <laughs> I was literally preaching the gospel in the bar. I remember. And I was secretly smoking. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so I'm secretly smoking, and I remember saying, like, I, mean, I, just, I can't let Jason see me doing this. And I remember somebody being like, Christians are so stu like Christians are so ridiculous because they knew my life. They knew what I was teaching and preaching and trying to, to, to they knew my witness at this point. Like that it was all just words guys. Like there wasn't a whole lot, like they seen that we stopped drinking and smoking and partying, but we're there waiting for it to come back. But in that moment, all I did was prove to them that I was just like anybody else, other Christian in the world, that I was a hypocrite. And I was just hiding the cigarette, not from the Lord, but from Jason because I didn't want him to see me. And I remember just like, oh, they, them saying that, and I was like, I just want to go home. Like, let's go home. And the whole way home, I remember driving and thinking, um, it's such a long story, but we had bought this house that was like a barn, and we redid it. And for a long time, like, it was not livable. Like, our living room was in our bedroom, and it was just like, I was like, how did I get here to this place in the country? And we had goats, ew, and donkeys, and... I was, we had pigs, and it was not the life for me, and still not the life for me, but, right, yeah, oh, he did, you guys drove by it, and I moved from this, like, my, ha my, like, this pretty house in town on a cul-de-sac, and I knew I had to let that go, like, I knew that part of me had to go when we found the Lord, and that, like, materialistic side of me needed to go, but all of a sudden, I was in the world, and I was feeling this all over again, I was like, I can't believe I gave up our house, I can't believe I haven't, like, I don't even know who our friends are anymore, we have nothing, I'm living in a barn, <laughs> and I'm like, nothing is going good, like, all, all of a sudden, like, I forgot what I had been saved from, so quickly that happened, and so quickly, and then I'm sure that I got over myself, and I went back to church, and we really didn't want Tim and Melissa, so now that I didn't want Jason to know, now I didn't want Tim and Melissa, because they're like, what'd you guys do this weekend, and we're like, oh, yep, uh, hung out with friends, old friends, and it was like Tim knew, he was like, what friends? I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Stop asking, I don't want to tell you. Anyway, um, and I don't remember from, like, I found my witness again. I'm good, guys. I'm holy again. It's fine. Everything is good. But um, it was this moment of weakness that I was looking for something, and I feel like that's what happened here. Like, it just, it just kept going and kept going and kept going into when they were just like, ah, and they couldn't handle it anymore. And like Katie was saying earlier, um, this was cited by Bruce, which I know you guys don't know who Bruce is, but this was a citing that I found, and it says the second century Jewish writing Mishnah described the practice of stoning with the trial is when the trial is finished. Okay, so this is kind of what stoning looked like. 
When the trial is finished, the man convicted is brought out to be stoned. When 10 cubits from the place of stoning, they say to him, confess, for it's the custom uh, of all about to be put to death to make confession. And everyone who confesses has a share in the age to come. And in four cubits from the place of stoning, the criminal is stripped naked. The drop from the place of stoning was twice the height of a man. One of the witnesses pushes the criminal from behind so that he falls face downward. He is then turned over on his back. If he dies from this fall, that is sufficient. If not, the second witness takes the stone and drops it on his heart. If this causes death, that is sufficient. If not, he is stoned by the congregation of Israel. Right, right. Right. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I, I, I think that in our Western culture, that there's so many things that we don't understand. And I get like, we, how would we know? Right? Like, has anyone known anyone stoned to death in here? No, me either. And so this is why we do this because we're learning exactly what this man walked through. What, what was it? What did he see that, that, that made him be able to stand there? getting ready to be pushed in with complete confidence and a glow on his face. It's because Stephen's life ended the same way that it had been lived, in complete trust in God, believing that Jesus would take care of him in the life to come. Like He got it, guys. He understood it. And the word Stephen, this is really cool. The word Stephen is from the word Stephanos, which is a word that they would use in, in conversation, which means crowned. And in Revelation 2.10, it says, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the Stephanos of life. I will give you the crown of life. And in James 1.2, it says, Blessed is a man who preserves... Why are you sitting here? Okay. <laughs> Blessed is a man who preserves under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the Stephanos, the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who he loves and loves him. Stephen was the first martyr that we seen for Jesus, and he sealed his testimony with his own blood. I like this guy. Come on, babe. Stand with me. We're not done yet. Okay. Settle down. <laughs> Stephen was mobbed and murdered. We're almost done, guys. His last sight on earth was an angry mob, but as he entered his new life, he entered heaven into the arms of the man that he died for. In complete adoration, Jesus standing welcomed him into his arms. What's so cool about this as, what was it, what did I say that his last words were? Um, don't hold the sin against him, just like Jesus did. If you guys really think about this, we're setting this up for Saul and what he's about to do with the Gentiles and, and beyond that. It was Stephen's prayer that said, God, don't hold this against him. So it's Stephen that we can thank for the, the life and the ministry of Paul, Saul. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. Or did he do it? Here's like, here's the thing that we don't think about is like, we read scripture now and we see these like men of faith and this history of these men. They had no idea guys. They weren't doing this because they knew they were going to be a book and somebody would be teaching about them in the little city named Holden. Like they have no idea. They're doing this all for the love of Christ. How many of us do things because we're being watched? Don't go there. Okay. So Stephen's graduation was Paul's initiation. And so we're, we're seeing that his life laid down. It was a snippet. It was two chapters. And then Paul gets the rest. Like, come on, guys. Paul gets so much of the New Testament. Like, he is a big character, if you want to call it character. The Bible's real, so I don't like to say character. A big, all of those things, um, in the account of Scripture. Figure, contributor, thank you. Yeah. Son, that's my favorite. We have no idea how greatly God can use us them in our times of suffering. If Stephen hadn't prayed, the church would not have had Paul. Thank you, intercessors, for your prayers. Thank you for those that pray. And the last thing I want to do <laughs> is I want to ask you a question. Whenever you guys are in trial and tribulation, what is your response? When things come, when hardships happen, things are coming against you what is our immediate response because it says so much about who we know and whose we are when the pressure's on when the pressure's happening when the bills aren't paid our kids are teenagers are acting crazy listen i'm not perfect i'm not sitting up here saying do it like me i'm saying like how do we respond stephen is our He's, he's our example of what it looks like to respond when there's pressure, when there's things coming at us. Like, and then this isn't, this isn't a rebuke. This isn't like, hey, what do you, I know you got, I know you haven't been doing this right. I'm saying, think about that. How is your response? And the second thing I want to do before we go is I have homework for you guys. <laughs> you guys like homework? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm so glad that Dakota likes it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we won't be here next week because we'll have church on Saturday and then we're not having church on Sunday because we're spending Christmas Eve with our families. If you don't have a family, come on over. You can hang out with us. I'll get you a gift. Yeah, go to Lisa's house. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. That's where we're going to be. <laughs> um, and then the next week, we have a special guest preacher. Hey, Clever. Hey, Isn't that going to be exciting, guys? Me too. And it's Adam's birthday. Or it was. Yesterday. Yes. Happy birthday, Adam. Happy birthday. Anybody else's birthday? You say, call Adam out. Oh, it's almost your birthday. How old are you going to be? Are you going to be this many? Yes. No. Yep. Oh, yay. All these December people, you guys are the most amazing. Most amazing. Mine was the ninth, if anybody wondered. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yep. Okay. I, it's amazing. Homework. I want you guys to find a tradition. Think of a tradition that either we do or the church does as a whole 
that you guys have maybe seen before, so maybe it's even one that we don't do that you've seen. But find a tradition or um, an act that churches do, the churchier the better, and find out where that came from. And if you can't, don't Google it. You're not allowed to Google. We don't do Google. We, we not do Yahoo. We don't do Internet Explorer. <laughs> we, we search our heart. We ask Holy Spirit, and we search his scripture. So find out why we walk in the traditions that we walk in and see if they're biblical. And listen, I'm not going to know them all, so you guys are going to be like putting us on the spot, and we're going to be like, ah. So that doesn't mean you pull it out and find it and have us figure it out. You pull it out and find it, and you find out why. Why do we have worship before we preach? I, honestly, I don't know. Like, it's scriptural. They do. The Levites did it, but it's also for me because I need it. Anyway, um, but yeah, figure it out. Um, yeah, I didn't write down any examples because I didn't want to give you. Uh, there's no cheat sheets. So um, questions about that? I got a good example. The ch- I think we were talking about this in men's group. Somebody was. Uh, I think where we were talking about them covering up the, the bread and the wine with a cloth. Like the sacrament, how they cover it with a cloth. And then we were like, well, why did they cover it with a cloth? And then, and then to come, when you track it down, it's just to keep the flies off the food. <laughs> so holy. So spiritual. Yeah. But the, yeah. Yeah. But then, when they were talking about it, it reminded me of Jesus folding up his cloth after he rose again, and then what that means, because in the Jewish culture, if when you're eating. If you wad your napkin up and you put it on the plate, it means you're finished. But if you fold it up and you set it next to your plate, it means you're coming back. And Jesus folded it up and set it next to the table from which he was laid. And it means that he's coming back. They found that in the tomb after he'd come out of the tomb. I'm not okay. Good stuff. Remember when we were driving to a football game one day and you were telling me that um, um, you were just like that thing about the grandma and the roast? You want me to tell it? Yeah. I think a couple people have heard it before, Uh, but. Yeah. But so basically, we'll just use you and I as an example. Tiffany comes to me or I come to her and I'm like, hey, why do you cut the the end off the the lamb roast every time? I don't make lamb roast. I know we don't, but my one day. But this is a tradition, right? So she's like, well, my mom always did it, so I just do it, you know. And then, so let's call your mom and ask her, you know, why Why do you, so they call her, and she's like, well, my, my mom always done it. So grandma happens to still be alive, so we call grandma, and grandma, why do you cut the end off the lamb roast? And she's like, well, back in my day, the ovens were a lot smaller, so we had to cut the end off for it to fit in the oven. 
What a waste of lamb roast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's just that's how we carry on traditions, right? Somebody does something because of something, then we just carry it on through generation, generation, generation. You're right. And it's what the religious leaders were doing. They're carrying on this, like, this idol worship of the temple and of Moses, and they can't see the Messiah. They couldn't see the Messiah. They couldn't see the people that were defending that and walking this out. It was the very prophet that Moses spoke of that they couldn't see because they were blinded by traditions and customs. So I've got a really good one. I was just studying church history at one point in life and going through and really studying church history. And um, I don't know if any of you know this, but most of us do just because it always became a big deal. When I was a kid during Lent on Fridays, the Catholics never ate meat. And then it kind of changed and it went down to they just didn't eat meat on Good Friday and Ash Wednesday. But I know when my mom was a child, she talked about how they didn't eat meat on Friday the whole year long. Well, in my research of just history of the church, that came out because at one point in time when Rome was ruling and in that time of when the Christians started spreading to the whole um, all over, and then it was dictated that everybody's going to be a Christian, the fishermen, the, the economy of the fishing industry went down the tubes. And so they made it law that everybody had to eat meat on Friday. Wow. And that's how that tradition started. Yep. Um, what I want someone else to do is look up circumcision. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Why do we circumcise or not? <laughs> okay. okay. Um, anything else? You want to pray for us, and then I'm going to have Lisa do announcements? So there won't be men's group next Saturday, but, I mean, unless you guys just want to come and hang out in the coffee shop, I mean, but I don't think we're doing it, are we? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Sometimes. But, hey, and if you didn't know, men's group meets Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. in the conference room if, if you guys want to come. Yeah, and you can leave whenever you want. We some of the guys stay till well. Craig was here till two o'clock yesterday. Yep. So. All right. Announcements. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Let it soak into our hearts. Let your, your love be known. Let you be known in our hearts. We, we thank you for our gathering today, for the church truly is, not this building, but all of us together in our hearts, worshiping you, loving you. As we go out into the week, pray that we 
walk the steps you would walk, knowing that you're there with us. And when our circumstances and tribulations come, that, that we turn to you, Lord. Um, that when Christians are squeezed, that we produce Christ in, in all trials and all circumstances. I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Lyric House Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you, and we encourage you to share with your family and friends. Remember, the gospel is good news, and good news is worth sharing. If you want to get involved or see what's happening next, make sure to follow us on social media. Until next week, we love you and God bless.